Welcome to the Alexander Stan. Today's episode: a ghost story. <laughs> Alexander's Standard, where we rank all the successors of Alexander the Great, from Perdiccas to <laughs> Cleopatra the Seventh. My name is Dustin. And I'm Meredith. And today's episode is a bit unorthodox. It is not what you were expecting. While we prep Cassandra's bloody life, we thought it would be appropriate to bring you a Halloween special. And I will now stop talking like that. Thank goodness. Yes. No, we thought we would bring you something that was uh, fitting for the season. It's a ghost story. Maybe not the first, but definitely one of the first. And I thought I'd give a reading to Meredith, who's never seen it before, and we could just discuss it. What do you think, Meredith? I think this is great. You know, I'm very susceptible to some of the last things I hear before I go to bed, so I'm looking forward to not being able to sleep. It's true. Uh, that was, uh, for a long time we were dating, that was why there was a moratorium on horror movies and ghost stories too close to bedtime. Mm-hmm. Past so 5 p.m., really. What I'm hearing is that the podcast gives me license to break all the rules. It's for the viewers, or the listeners, there so you go. let's go. All right. Today's story comes from Pliny the Younger. Now, dear listeners, I haven't done any research on on, on this, so... There's not a lot about, I mean, I can tell you what I remember from my background, which was that Pliny the Younger lived basically the high point of the Roman Empire. He was a governor and he wrote a lot of letters. And I got to tell you, from anything, he talked way too much because we have all of his letters in the book that's beside me. My man was a babbler. And today's letter um, is one that he wrote to his friend Licinius Sura. And it goes a little bit like this. To Sura, the leisure we are both of us enjoying gives you an opportunity of imparting, and me an opportunity of receiving information. So I should very much like to know whether in your opinion there are things such as ghosts, whether you think they have a shape of their own, and a touch of the supernatural in them, or whether you think they are vain, empty creatures, shadows of our fears and imaginations. For my own part, I feel led to believe that they have a real existence, and this mainly from what I hear befell Curtius Rufus. In the days when he was still poor and obscure... Oh, by the way, Meredith, I'm telling you two stories. Okay. In the days when he was still poor and obscure, he had attached himself to the person of the governor of Africa. One evening at sundown, he was walking in the portico when the figure of a woman, but taller and more beautiful than mortal woman, presented itself before him and told Rufus, who was terrified with fright, that she was Africa and could foretell the future. She declared that he would go to Rome and hold high offices of state, and that he would also return with plenary powers as governor to that same province and there meet his death. All these details were fulfilled. Moreover, when he was entering Carthage and just stepping out of his ship, the same figure is said to have met him on the beach. Certain it is that when he was attacked by illness, he interpreted the future by the past, and his coming adversity by his present prosperity, and 
though none of his people were despairing of his recovery, he cast aside all hope of getting better. So that's one. Okay. He saw a lady. It's a little bit um along the lines of the prophecies and things yeah. like that. Like I think the only difference is like she appeared before him kind of thing. Mm, yeah. Because ironically, I think we were talking about this at some point in our nerd lives earlier this week, maybe like the irony is, is that when spirits appeared before you, oh, you found my hoodie. Um, when spirits appeared before you, oftentimes in antiquity, it's like they, they appear in dreams, mm. but it's never the thing of you're dreaming about this. And it's like, no, no, no. They appeared. Oh, did you see a ghost? No, they appeared in my dream. It's like that weird oh, middle way. Oh, but he's way. actually seeing someone right. while awake. Yeah. like Interesting. So that's the first story, short and sweet. Now here's the main one. Pliny continues. Now I want you to consider whether the following story, which I shall tell you just as I heard it, is not even more terrifying and no less wonderful than the other. There stood at Athens a spacious and roomy house, but it had an evil reputation of being fatal to those who lived in it. In the silence of the night, the clank of iron and, if you listened with closer attention, the rattle of chains were heard, the sound coming first from a distance and afterward close at hand. Then appeared the ghostly form of an old man, emaciated, filthy, decrepit, with a flowing beard and hair on end, with fetters around his leg and chains on his hands, which he kept shaking. The terrified occupants passed sleepless nights of fearful terror, and following upon their sleeplessness came disease and then death as their fears increased. For every now and again, though the ghost had vanished, memory conjured up the vision before their eyes, and their fright remained longer than the apparition which caused it. Then... The house was deserted and condemned to stand empty, and was wholly abandoned to the specter, while the authorities forbade that it should be sold or let to anyone wishing to take it, not knowing under what a curse it lay. The philosopher Athenodorus came to Athens, read the notice board, and on hearing the price hesitated, because the low rent made him suspicious. Then he was told the whole story, and... So far from being deserted, he became the more eager to rent it. When evening began to fall, he ordered his people to make him up a bed in the front of the house and ask for his tablets, a pen, and a lamp. Dismissing all his servants to the inner rooms, he applied mind, eyes, and hand to the task of writing, lest by having nothing to think about, he might begin to conjure up the apparition of which he had been told and other idle fears. At first the night was just as still there as elsewhere. Then the iron was rattled and the chains clanked. Athenodorus did not raise his eyes, nor cease to write, but fortified his resolution and closed his ears. The noise became louder and drew nearer, and was heard now on the threshold and then within the room itself. He turned his head and saw and recognized the ghost which had been described to him. It stood and beckoned with its finger, as if calling him. But Athenodorus merely motioned with his hand, as if to bid it wait a little, and once more bent over his tablets and plied his pen. As he wrote, the specter rattled its chains over his head, and looking round he saw that it was beckoning as before, 
So, without further delay, he took up the lamp and followed. The specter walked with slow steps, as though burdened by the chains. Then, it turned off into the courtyard of the house and suddenly vanished, leaving its companion alone, who thereupon plucked some grass and foliage to mark the place. On the following day, he went to the magistrates and advised them to give orders that the place should be dug up. Bones were found, with chains wound round them. Time and the action of the soil had made the flesh molder and left the bones bare and eaten away by the chains, but the remnants were collected and given a public burial. Ever afterwards, the house was free of the ghost, which had been thus laid up with due ceremony. I quite believe those who vouch for these details, but the following story I can vouch for to others. I have a freedman who is a man of some education. A younger brother of his was sleeping with him in the same bed, and he thought he saw someone sitting upon the bed and applying a pair of shears to his head and even cutting off some hair from his crown. When day broke, his hair actually was cut at the crown, and the locks were found lying close by. A little time elapsed, and a similar incident occurred to make people believe the other story was true. A young slave of mine was sleeping with a number of others in the dormitory, when, according to his story, two men clothed in white tunics entered by the window and cut his hair as he slept, retiring by the way they came. Daylight revealed that his hair had been cut, and the locks lay scattered around. No incident of any note followed, unless it was that I had escaped prosecution, as I should not have done if Domitian, in whose reign those incidents had taken place, had lived any longer than he did. For in his writing desk, there was discovered a document sent in by Carus, which denounced me. This gives rise to the conjecture that, as it is the custom for accused persons to let their hair go untrimmed, the fact that the hair of my slaves was cut was a sign that the peril overhanging me had passed away. I beg of you to bring your erudition to bear on these stories. The matter is one which is worth long and careful consideration, nor am I altogether undeserving of your imparting to me your plentiful knowledge. I will let you follow your usual habit of arguing on both sides of the case, but be sure that you take up one side more strongly than the other, so that I may not go away in suspense and uncertainty, when the reason I asked your advice was just this, that you should put an end to my doubts. Farewell. What do you think? The uh, second guy sounds like you. Getting all excited about a haunted house yeah. and going in and being like, this is great, I'm going to see a ghost and everything. Except he did see a ghost. I know, but I think that you don't see ghosts because... Whatever is out there realizes just how terrified and undone I would be if right. we ever encountered it. So what this means is we need to take more trips separate from each other. Yeah. Uh, ouch. Um, <laughs> no, it's to it's to fulfill your dreams. More solo travel for you. Yeah. Well, we can let the listeners in on this. The the joke there is, um, I, I'm what I call my I'm what I call a bitter skeptic. In the sense that I do want to believe in the supernatural. I really do. I think it's cool. I'm always entranced by it. But I'm the guy that's just, I, I refuse to believe it unless I see it. And nothing ever happens to me. Boo hoo. I know. 
So it's just like I hear other people talking like, oh, this happened to me. This happened to me. Oh, yeah, I saw this. Oh, yeah, this happened. I'm just like, nothing ever happens to me. Oh, I believe it's all real. And I hope every day it never happens to me. Really, the one that I think would bother me the most is the like if I woke up and someone was cutting my hair. Yeah. But see, again, that's where, again, the bitter skeptic thing. Because they're like, oh, no, they had their hair cut. I'm like, dude, if anyone's ever been at a raucous party... And had one of those friends who had a penchant for pranking. Sometimes you wake up with a shaved head. I mean, who among us? Not I. Right. Uh, I mean, every time we take, you know, Jewel to the vet and they have to like, you know, do something to shave part of her leg to give her a shot or something. She wakes up and she thinks the same thing. Is she yeah. haunted? No. <laughs> but that's where I like I, I maintain that vets are like animals versions of UFO Experiences. Yeah, yeah. They that's when they're abducted. Like I saw a bright light, and then I woke up. <laughs> Nothing's wrong. My belly's shaved. Yeah. So, what do you think of that, though? Yeah, I really spooky, enjoyed right? those. Nice, nice. Yeah. One of it's one of the, if not the first haunted house story. Cool. Yeah. Um, I have a little bit extra for you. Sure. By pure happenstance, I um, heard a scary story recently that I am convinced is based on this. Okay. I, I have nothing to base it on. I have no proof because I am too lazy to research it right now. I listen to another awesome podcast called Horror Babble. Um, it's where this British guy, because it's the best voice, he just reads horror short stories from like the early 20th century. And it's called, you're going to love this name, it's called The Blood Drips, An Unsolved Mystery. Ready for the name? By Dick Donovan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that apparently is uh, like a pseudonym or a nom de plume or whatever like that. His, uh, his actual name is Joyce Emerson uh, Muddock. But um, it's about this house in London and it will not sell. And the rent is redonkulously low on it because someone's trying to sell it. And some dude goes and he, he sees the advertisement or as they say, the, the advertisement. And he wants to buy the house and the guy who's selling it's just like yep there's nothing wrong with it it's a great house it's spacious it's luxurious uh the only problem it is is it's haunted and the guy's like what and he's like everybody says it's haunted and i'm just trying to be honest with you so that you don't think i'm trying to pull one over you that is the reason that this house is so cheap it is because it's haunted and the guy's a skeptic and he's like okay whatever and his wife and his daughter are like spooked by it but they go to the house and it's like super spooky and things like that. They go in there and it's looking good and everything, no problems. And then they buy the house and they move in. And a little while afterwards, they're getting ready for a big event. And I think their cook calls the wife in and he's like, I hear stuff clanking around upstairs. And she's like, that's ludicrous. There's nobody upstairs. And then this is the one thing that's different about it. All of a sudden, there's just blood dripping from the ceiling. Ew. Yeah. Um, and that goes on for a while. And finally, um, I think some of the, I think the daughter, she start having, starts having nightmares and starts seeing things, I think. And um, the, uh, the mother gets freaked out. And then, like, the dad, he's just like, I'm done with this. I'm going to go sleep in the room that's causing all the trouble and prove that nothing's wrong. Do you remember the beginning of the Pliny story when the people that lived there died from sleeplessness? Yes. Yeah. So the guy goes up there and he goes to sleep. And then when they 
They go to get him the next morning. He's not answering. But they push the door open. He's lying in bed. He's like all convulsed in things and his eyes are wide open. And he's dead. Dun, dun, dun. But like I really feel like that guy read the Pliny story and adapted it. Because it's just so many things about it are similar aside from like the blood dripping. Mm. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah. So there you go. What do you think, Meredith? Do you believe? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we live in a relatively busy town area. Always lots of noises outside. So you're not going to be upset when like you hear a noise. You're going to think we're haunted, do you? No, I find comfort in the town. I often think when I'm driving home to North Carolina, when I'm more so on the country ish roads you see houses and their next neighbor isn't for like a mile i'm just always like what if you got robbed what if someone broke in what if someone tried to kill you what would you do you're all alone so i i enjoy the fact that we live in a apartment complex well i'm talking about ghosts you're talking about home invasion but both yeah, are but scary ghosts, too. ghosts invade the home yeah mm-hmm. 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 yeah i agree well uh let that be unknown to any ghosts that are listening what the hell man why don't you like me stay away <laughs> There it is. Um, Cassandra is on the way. I really dug deep, and it's disgusting. Let the bodies hit the floor. You sing that, but that's kind of what's going on. I'm stoked. Bodies hit the floor. So, this has been the Alexander Standard. (laughs) (coughs) It was a little bit real. See you next time, everybody. Bye.